Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Get the Let Out with Dr. Chuck Stead. Once again, we have the privilege and uh, really the, the treat, the gift of being with Cindy Fountain, a Native person who is as fascinating as anyone I think I've ever met. And uh, her stories are painted throughout her home, both inside and outside. I think it's really been a special thing for her to, to be with us these, these last few weeks. And uh, I just want to say thank you. So thank there. you. All right. Without any further ado, Chuck, take it away. Thank you, Joe. We're going to talk a little bit in this episode about animal speak. It's been observed that animism, or the intuitional guidance of a soulful existence among any forms of life, can be found in all the major religious texts, that its presence has not been eliminated despite monotheistic authority. Given the persistence of animism and its place in Ramapo stories, it merits closer consideration. While preparing for a closing ceremony of the 2009 AmeriCorps Environmental Summer Training Week at Rockland Lake State Park Nature Center, I suffered a heart attack. At the time, I experienced a sharp pain across the back while lifting a rock. Believing I was dehydrated, I walked off in search of water. And upon walking across the newly dug butterfly garden, a project I had raised funds for, the pain increased, following as if my shoulder blades were expanding and about to break through my back. I survived this event, and a month later, attended the closing ceremony at the garden at which Cindy Fountain spoke of butterfly. Butterfly says to me, she told us, you can't help but change. Oh, you can fight it, but that just slows it down some. It don't stop it. I look at all your young faces, and I see Butterfly telling you to accept and move with change. You know, Butterfly tells us about shape-shifting, and you are all shape-shifting all the time. When you feel them wings coming on, you ask yourself, what change are you in now? Hmm? Are you truly ready to fly? Can you learn the wind's message? Grandmother Wind will direct you. Will your flight be a flight or a fight? Will you move on or will you try to avoid her? This is your challenge. Privately, she told me that at the time of my incident a month earlier, her granddaughter, along with several other people, including my own stepson, each saw a fox. This, she believed, was a sign that I was at a crossroad, and she believed that my journey was in transformation. She advised that I must pay close attention to this sign as it was instrumental in my recovery. Fountain, at that time a four-time cancer survivor, knows well the role animism plays in her own recovery. She speaks of a grandfather story that continues to aid her in her healing. In her words, she says, This happened in my grandfather's garage, but telling it makes it happen for me now. I was at the door, and my grandfather was calling me in, but Black Snake was hanging down from overhead, and I would have to walk right past Black Snake. And grandfather said, Come on, he won't hurt you. He, he's just smelling for a mouse or something. You, you can get past him. And I did. I walked right past Black Snake. And all the time he was in the garage, grandfather and I just let him be. Sometimes we'd find one of his skins, 
and grandfather says he's been born again. She likened the idea, born again, that remark and the idea, to the born-again claim of fundamentalist Christianity, but observed that Christians are not the skin-shedders that Snake is. During one of her more difficult bouts with cancer, Cindy was given a dream-catcher staff with black snake carved into the handle. This staff hung over the doorway of her home where she could see it from the couch on which she lay in pain while calling on Creator to just end this pain. She then heard Grandfather's voice calling to her from the garage in her childhood. She looked at the staff over the door and saw Black Snake hanging down while the voice of Grandfather said, You can get past this. He, he won't hurt you. You can make it. And she did make it. And with Black Snake's guidance, was born again. After that, she meditates on Snake and focuses on how Snake sheds skin, its eyes clouding over, its appearance of decay and death. It inhabits the death-rebirth cycle. And from such closeness with death, the rebirth brings new knowledge, new wisdom, to see things a new way. Since then, she has never passed roadkill without acknowledgement of transformation, oftentimes stopping to hold ceremony. A year after my cardio incident, I was again preparing for AmeriCorps training, closing ceremony, again at the Butterfly Garden, and again Cindy Fountain was joining us. At the time, I was planning on returning to my graduate studies that September. As we gathered for the ceremony with some 40 AmeriCorps students and another 20 guests, Dragonfly hovered directly in front of me for an extended period of time, and also three other people, including my stepson, photographed Dragonfly along the nature trail. Once a fire was made and Cindy started walking around it, she told this story. This morning, she said, meditating on butterfly, on transformation, on light, on shape-shifting, dragonfly came to me. I said, dragonfly, this now is not about you. Go on, leave me, leave me with butterfly. Dragonfly said, no, this now is my time. I come from water. I am in the air. You listen to me from water in the air. You listen to me. But I would not. And Dragonfly refused to go. Oh, he can be stubborn. So here I am with you all. And here is Dragonfly. What does he tell us? He lives in the realm of light and by water. So he tells us to be in the sun by the water in order to restore. Dragonfly is a nymph. He is in the water for two years before he or she can shapeshift. This can mean a two-year time of change before you are ready to fly. Dragonfly is a sign for us, and that's all I have for you now. Two weeks later, I returned to cardiac care and had a second surgery, which required another period of recovery, initiating a medical leave, which extended my recovery time to two years. On the morning I was to leave for that surgery, I sat in my living room, deeply troubled by this turn of events, went up to the window, walked Fox. He stared at me for some time, and then he turned and left. Whenever I'm over there on that road, going the back way into Nyack, I always think of that place. Yeah. Yep. And when Cindy was speaking about Dragonfly, who interfered with her meditation, 
must have been two dozen dragonflies. Dragonfly. I was just about to say you didn't put the, the there yep. was it was like a they slew. Were all over. They uh, just came from everywhere. Yeah. They were they flying by everywhere. the students. They were flying by. They were mm-hmm. circling you. They mm-hmm. were just all over the place. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, we've had that with some so many times. It's been so. When they come, and <laughs> butterflies. Ooh, you. I could tell you them. They are. They'll come and lay on our hands. When we go out, when we uh, raise them through the winter. You know, they're in their cocoon, and we talk to the cage every day. A lot of conversations, you know, they're hearing us talk. And when they do come out, and we go to put them out so they can fly, they'll fly around, then they come right back to us. Yeah, they'll come right back to us and lay on our hands. And if you call them, they'll come right back. It's like, they're not puppies, they're butterflies. Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah. I I gave a lot of them away. The kids are all grown now. But when I first started doing that, I did that for about four four or five years in consistency. And some little kids used to come back by the yard, and there was always toys and something interesting to look out there because the kids were sick, and it kept me charged up. I'm an artist. I make a lot of dolls, so I had dolls and stuff Mm -hmm. out there. And sure enough... These little boys would come every day, all through the summer. Now they're teenage boys, you know, so they don't come anymore. Um, but every once in a while I see their mom and dad, and they tell me what they're doing, activities, and that's all that matters. They're going forward. I'm sort of taken by this story, though, that Chuck had a heart event, I guess, you know, a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And you were there. You know, you were part of... Oh, yeah, when, when when he had that first one, uh, we were working on several projects together. Uh, you know, he had the... Salt box? The. Well, he had the salt box then, too, but um, he was starting the salt box. He didn't have the salt box fully like he has it now. But um, there was something else. Let me ask him what... Because I used to go to Ramapo College and lecture with him. He'd have me come and talk to the students there. Then he had them come up here one time, Mm -hmm. and we had students come. And that's when um, one of the students was a, what's that word, that knows about trees. So he Arborist? An arborist. And he came, and he told me about my trees in the backyard. So you were a part of Chuck's recovery then? Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, well, yeah. Because I, I kept seeing the spirits, and when when the fox came, I knew that that was his decision. Because all of us have the right to say, "Creator, is it my time? Mm-hmm. Am I really supposed to go?" Because we all want to follow and do what the Creator says. So you know, I I knew when I saw the fox. He saw the fox. I saw a vision of a fox. I meant, wait, when he said he saw that, I said, "Yeah, I saw a fox too." By the time the weekend, that weekend was over, I was in the hospital. I got a stent put in. I wasn't in for like two days, maybe. Yeah. By the time that weekend was over, there were like 15 different people saying, I saw a fox this weekend. Like they were just coming up with it. Yeah. And some of them may have been looking for a fox. But, you know, you don't just find a fox when you look for a fox. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Mostly and they carry a nocturnal such, animal. They carry such really loving 
expressions. Oh, yeah. Fox. Yeah. You know, when we had Mally here, and Mally was in a wheelchair and everything, and the kids were always playing, you know, uh, daylight in the street. You know what I mean? But not they were 9 and 10, 12 years old when they were allowed to go out of the yard. But um, it, the fox would come down the street, and the people would go, do you walk around in the back? Because that was all woods. I said, yeah, I do. Did the fox chase you? I said, no, he ain't never chased me. He's out there. I see him back there. I see him with his, you know, cubs. I said, but he's never chased me. He said, you sure? I used to let the kids go back there. No. Yep. No problem with the fox. More so than the coyote, fox will make an effort to be your friend. They'll make an effort. He's a little bit of a trickster, and so is fox, I guess, but... Fox will make an effort to, because like a dog. He'll show you that, that I'm not going to hurt you. Out in PA one time before we moved, I, I was driving along the road and I had uh, Leo in the car. You know, Leo, my little dog, who's kind of fox-like when you look at it and think of his face and his ears. And all. Yeah. And there's a fox walking along the road. And I had puppy treats. I always have little cookies. So I stopped. And I opened the window, and I looked at the fox, and the fox looked at me, we didn't run away, and I tossed him a cookie. And he sniffed it, and then he ate it. So I tossed him another one. So then Leo's getting annoyed, because I'm giving his cookies away. <laughs> so I give Leo a cookie, and he eats it, and he looks at me. So I, And the fox is waiting, so I, give, I probably gave him four or five little cookies. And finally Leo realizes he's giving cookies to somebody out there he hadn't seen it yet so he climbs up on my lap because he was on the passenger side and he looks down and he stares at the fox and they just stare at each other it wasn't a matter of you're in my territory because this is the car in the road so it's not yeah. at home and they just stare at each other for a little while and then the fox walks away and leo goes back to his yeah. seat and you got the definite feeling like they recognize something you know, yeah. Maybe because they were both eating cookies, you know, mm -hmm. maybe that sort of their conversation, their conversation. Yep. 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 Yeah. So, what do you think, Joe? Has this been uh, an interesting session? This has been a very interesting day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, very interesting session, and uh, I, I'm kind of glad. I'm glad we did this. I, I'm, I'm meeting a person with a history I've never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And that can only make you wiser. And yeah, it's a teaching. Right. And my sister Joni is here who has said nothing. Do you have a... <laughs> who could speak between you and Cindy? I agree. See? She's I saying agree. we talk too much. No, I'm not. But yeah. there's, there's no other space. But I did have one thing just before. I s grinned when uh, Cindy said you could make your own decision. The other day... And I don't want to get yelled at for this. The other night, I was feeling really bad, badly, physically badly. My back hurt. Everything just hurt. And I, my chest was heavy. Mm -hmm. And I had mentioned it later on to a friend, and she said, you should have called a doctor. I said, no. I thought maybe this was when I was, God was taking me home. So I didn't worry about it. And I felt fine the next day, and I think it was I was whatever. Mm -hmm. It wasn't time, just like when I had the heart thing. But to have that confidence in the Lord that yeah that He's He's got me. Yeah. And yeah. when it happens, it happens. Praise yeah. God. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. See that that's the confidence, the, and, the hope, and the trust. Yeah. Everything happens in its time. Everything is. Yep. 
exactly as it's supposed to be. And uh, we're moving from one place to another. That's mm -hmm. all. When I had the upper aorta dissection, I should have died. You know, statistically, you, you discovered how it was. Mm -hmm. And when the doctor in Ro and up here in M Middletown said, if you get to Westchester in time, mm -hmm. you have a 50-50 chance of living. Well, he was being nice to me. I had about a 3% chance. Mm -hmm. But all that time... I was, there was never any fear. And even people would c comment, like when I was in the helicopter and I was enjoying the ride. Yeah. The oh, pilot do said. Do you remember calling me? Yeah. From and the I called, helicopter. Yeah. And this I called people. It was great fun being in a helicopter. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was never in one before. Right. And then when, you, when I came in and you were looking for me to, you know, and, and they said, oh, that's the one. She's fine. She's just laughing. I wasn't afraid, and it wasn't like I said to myself, don't be afraid. I just wasn't. It was peaceful. It was, it was great. It was a good experience the whole yeah. time. Wow. See, my world has walked a lot of people to that. And not to get into the depth of, you know, when I received my gift, I was four mm -hmm. years old. And the things that transferred in me that day. Then to have grandchildren that were that sick that I had to go to California to the, the first one that journeyed. And the doctor said, he's not going to make it till you get here. And I said, oh, well, I'll get a flight out. Da, da, da. And he said, no, he's not going to make it. I said, no, he's going to make it. And I said, he'll be there when I get there. You watch. You'll, you'll see him see me. And sure enough, he did. He was six months old, and he turned to look at me. And the doctor said, you're right. The father held him and talked to him. And then the great-grandmother was there, and she said, I want him to go with my daughter. So I said to this father, I said, well, tell him to go with your mother, because your grandmother wants him to be with your mother. The boy coded right there. Second, the father said, it was done. We took full care of this being while he was on this space. You're only here as long as you're teaching we're all here really learning together in this pot. You Thank bet. you all for coming. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate you joining us uh, this week. And this is the last three weeks. Very interesting. Very, yeah. very interesting. And Cindy, God bless and thank you. Now for a word from our favorite sponsor, the Montgomery Book Exchange, your hometown used bookstore, now at our new location at 84 Clinton Street in the heart of the Montgomery, New York Business District. Now, if you've been here before, you'll love your next visit even more because we proudly share our new space with Astoria Hudson, a clothing boutique run by our good friend, Katie. The Montgomery Book Exchange is a place where great books survive the test of time, where you can read a book enjoyed by someone a generation before you. You might even find notes in the margin giving you an insight as to what mattered the most to the previous reader. That's how Montgomery Book Exchange turns a great book into a shared experience. And the Montgomery Book Exchange is known throughout the Hudson Valley and beyond for innovations like their Facebook Live sales or their intimate author readings and book signing experiences. 
How about their member-driven book club selections and book club talks? And did you know you can get store credits in the form of Montgomery Book Exchange book bucks when you bring your well-loved and gently used books in for a store credit? You can also find your Montgomery Book Exchange friends every first Friday evening at the monthly Handmade Montgomery event, which takes place from 6 to 8 p.m. This is a wonderful event featuring local artisans and hundreds of beautiful handmade items ranging from pottery to jewelry. For more information, just go to the MontgomeryBookExchange.com or call them at 845 764 1787. That's 845 764 1787. There's one more thing. They have a special location at 8 Factory Street dedicated to your young readers. They call it the Montgomery Book Exchange Children's Chapter, and it features a reading garden where your children can discover the joy of reading in a wonderful and stimulating learning environment. Also at this location, you'll find Miss Claire's Music Cupboard featuring the award-winning research-based Kinder Music Program. The Montgomery Book Exchange Children's Chapter is open Wednesday through Saturday. Check the website for specific class times that match your child's age. You can also contact the Children's Chapter at 845-522-9652. TheMontgomeryBookExchange.com Your hometown used bookstore. You're going to love this place.